This episode of For the Love with Jen Hatmaker is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. They can be big, difficult, even scary life things, and also small inconveniences that add up day after day. The thing is, when we keep them all bottled up on the inside and just try to grin and bear it, it can start to affect us and the people around us negatively. We may even isolate ourselves, which makes it even worse. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. This was the case for me when I was at the highest stress level in my life, where the stress was even having physical consequences for me. Therapy was a huge part of my healing journey to learn how to manage the stress. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash for the love. One of the biggest things we have in our relationship is how we acknowledge our needs and how we communicate those needs to other people. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with me, Jen Hatmaker. Today, we're going to talk about how to reconnect with our boundaries with therapist Nedra Glover Tawab. Hey everybody, Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. Welcome to the show. I love this series so much. We are in a series called For the Love of Reconnecting. We could not think of a more meaningful theme to start the year out with. It's been so important to get back to the root of what gives our lives meaning and purpose, which is, of course, our relationships with our people our families, our friends, our loved ones, our communities, and even our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with God. So here's a fun question. When's the last time that you thought about boundaries? Like, isn't that fun? I'm a real fun girl at parties. But seriously though, like when's the last time you took a second to think about what you actually need, what you actually have capacity for, and created some guidelines in clarity, in kindness, to help you maintain those things. Brene Brown always says, clear is kind. It sounds nice, right? Like to actually have a life where you are living inside your capacity, getting the things that you need, able to sort of flourish. But you might be thinking, you know, I don't have time to do that. Or that's not the mom my kids need. That's a thing we say. Or maybe, you know, I'll do that in 2025. But I'm just telling you that this is something you need for yourself right now, because for you to be a flourishing person, you've got to reconnect with who you are, with what you value, and then create boundaries that help you maintain both of those things. And here's the key. You know what happens when you don't set those limits. You're overwhelmed by everything that everyone else expects from you and you inadvertently move into frustration and then resentment. And now our relationships are in real trouble. So it doesn't have to be this way. We can create the lives we need to thrive and the people around us need to thrive. And we can start doing it today. My guest is going to help us think about the best ways to do that. Oh, you guys are going to love her. 
Today on the show, I have Nedra Glover-Tawab. She's a licensed therapist, she's a relationship expert, and she's a writer, a content creator. She's the founder of a therapy practice called Kaleidoscope Counseling. And in her practice, she has seen that there are two causes of most relationship issues, a lack of keeping boundaries and asserting ourselves. Nedra is truly gifted at helping people walk through the journey toward healthy relationships with themselves and then others. And her work's been featured everywhere. The New York Times, The Guardian, Psychology Today, Self, Vice. Plus, she runs a really popular Instagram account that we're going to talk about where she just kind of daily equips her followers with tools to boost their mental health and to improve their relationships. And if you are not already following her, you will be by the time we finish this conversation. She's also the author of a brand new book coming out in March called Set Boundaries, Find Peace. And you are definitely gonna wanna put it on your list because what she just drops it like it's hot today. I I just couldn't even keep up with all the like truth bombs. She just kept dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. If we followed this, if we took these best practices to heart and put them into high rotation, These have the capacity to absolutely transform our relationships, even the ones that are busted and broken up. So I loved this conversation. In fact, I made her stay on the line with me after we quit recording for a little bit just to kind of process a couple of things she said that I took right to heart that mattered so much and meant so much to me. I'm thrilled to share my conversation with a very brilliant Nedra Glover-Tawab. Nedra, I am so happy to meet you and so glad to introduce you to my listeners. Thank you so much for taking time out for our little show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be present. There's so much going on in the world and just being in one space in this moment feels great. Your work's always important, but right now it's crucial to literally everybody I know. I can't think of anybody who does not need some really sound instruction in sort of your area of expertise. And so I think this is going to be a really profound conversation to have with you and to share with other people. So if you don't mind, I have filled my listeners in already, just kind of high level about who you are and what it is that you do. But I wonder if you could talk more about your story and your background, where it is that you've come from, and how you got to this place where you are now offering such, you know, just poignant and generous teaching for so many people. Yeah. So like many therapists will share the story of how they became a therapist. And mine is very interesting. I'm a good listener. And I thought that being a good listener was so easy that I'd go to college for something else, right? So (laughs) I started off like, well, maybe I shouldn't do that. I'll, I'll try sociology. I'll try these other things. And I got back to therapy. And I really became a therapist when I saw my first client. And just being able to be in a space where someone hears you is just transformative because we don't get that. We don't get anyone who looks in our eyes and just nods and just seems in awe of us really speaking about our day or talking about how we're reacting to something because our relationships with people are so interactional. It's like, how are you? How are you? 
And with a therapist, it's very much, how are you? And don't mind how I am. Just really tell me about you. And so being able to, to do that with people, it has been healing for me too, because now I really appreciate deep connections personally because I see the value in them professionally, right? So now I'm I'm the friend who's like, how did you really feel about that? And what did you think when, you know, so it's been good in multiple ways to understand how we really need to be heard and the importance of someone else being able to hear us. It is. And the power that that creates in a relational dynamic is so true. Just like what you said, that's a learned skill to really carry through in all of our relationships. I I told you before we started recording that I was going through your Instagram account because you have this huge community that you have developed on Instagram because you're just, it's just tool after tool after tool toward healthy relationships. And I mean, I could not screenshot things fast enough. I was like, this one's for me, put it in my saved. This one's for my friend. This one's for my sister. I sent it everywhere. (laughs) Everybody got a screenshot from you. You know, this is a series on reconnecting and the work that you do allows us to reconnect with both ourselves and with the people in our lives. And so you've said that there are two pillars that sort of hold up our relationships. Can you talk about what those are and why they matter so much? Boundaries and healthy communication. One of the biggest things we have in our relationship is how we acknowledge our needs and how we communicate those needs to other people. So for me, being able to want to acknowledge them and communicate those things, it's so important in our relationships. And many of us struggle in relationships because maybe we don't know exactly what we need, but we know what we don't like. And the the opposite of that is probably what we need. And just learning how to communicate that to someone else. And we often don't recognize that as boundaries, whether it's, I need help with cooking dinner. That is a boundary that I cannot do all of this. I don't want to be the person responsible for buying all of the Christmas gifts or organizing everything for so-and-so's birthday. Those are boundaries. That is your time boundary. That is your emotions that are tied into that, that are also boundaries. So just knowing what it feels like to be able to be aware of those needs and then telling another person. Our biggest hangup is what will they say when when I tell them, right? How will they respond? And often, if we really think about it, we've been adhering to boundaries from birth, right? Your parent is telling you, it's time for you to go to bed. It is time. So we've been adhering to boundaries and so has everyone else. So us expressing some needs won't disrupt their lifestyle, but it may make your lifestyle a bit better. I had never heard anyone mention that as kind of flip sides of a coin there. It's so true. I I want to talk a little bit more about boundaries because it is a word, a term of that has found its way into sort of our cultural vernacular in the last decade or two. And I'm not convinced just based on anecdotal evidence, looking at even my life, 
the lives of the women in my community, that we have this one sewn up. It's a word we say, it's a thing we talk about, but I'm not sure we have really figured out how to put it into practice. So, you know, when we, we say, like, let's just say a boundary's been sort of violated. So she, she stepped over the line. How did that line get there in the first place? What does it really look like pragmatically, like at a granular level, to create and maintain healthy boundaries in our lives? And honestly, why does it even matter? Why does it even matter? Why does this matter to our mental health? That was a packed question. And when I think about boundaries in practice, I think about things like not answering my phone when I'm not emotionally and sometimes physically able to talk. That is a boundary in practice. We dishonor ourselves when we do it and then we're frustrated after and we give ourselves, why did I answer that? I can't believe they would call me. And it's like, that is that is a boundary practice that you could execute and say, I will not answer my phone because people can call you at 4 a.m. They can call you at 4 p.m. It is your choice to answer. So that is a boundary in practice. And when I communicate to other people that, you know, lots of things that we do are really about boundaries. I started the work of really focusing on helping people with their boundaries because there were so many people coming into my practice with work-life balance issues, resentment, marriage issues, all of these things. And when we get down to it, it's working on weekends, working while on vacation, not telling your partner that there's more that you need help with, not communicating your expectations for fidelity, all of these sorts of things. It's like, wow, like there are all these violations that have been unspoken. And now we have this huge problem. And it's like, well, how do I get them to stop? It's like, okay, well, we can go back and set the boundary. But Man, life would be easier if right off we said, hey, these are my values. These are things that are important to me. I would like help with. We typically know what our boundaries are. It's just a matter of being able to communicate it. So for instance, when we feel anger, frustration, resentment, anxiety, depression, those are probably indicators that a boundary has been violated or that you feel uncomfortable about something. So if you are hosting folks for the holiday and you're like, oh my gosh, they want to bring one more person. Okay. It sounds like you have a boundary around people. <laughs> like how many people do you want there? How do you communicate that in a way where people can hear it and respect it. Do you want to host? Do you need help hosting? Like there's so many things there to unpack, but we would bypass that and say like, I have to do this. Well, here's choice. You are choosing to do this. You are choosing to ignore this boundary that's trying to really break through and say like, no, no, we don't want more. <laughs> You're trying to bypass that to be a nice person or to please others or to do whatever you've done in tradition. But your body is saying, no, no, stop. That's so familiar that it's frustrating. Because I am traditionally, what I would say, conflict averse, and I know enough to know better, but I sometimes conflate setting a boundary with conflict. 
And it's just not true. That's not what it is. You're not picking a fight. You're not creating an argument. You're not being unreasonable. It's so weird. I'm learning right now about a lot of my like codependent habits and my sense of I'll just do the thing. I won't explain how this feels. I won't explain how this is frustrating, how this is hurting me. And I'll just get over it. But you don't. You bury it alive. It comes out. What should we expect? Let's say, because I really liked how you just said, if you're feeling these things, you probably have a boundary issue. What should we expect to feel when we regularly neglect and ignore our own boundaries and choose silence over just honest communication? What does that end up looking like in a human life? Burnout. Burnout has been a, a really big thing. And we know we're burnt out when we don't have the energy to do things that either we need to do or things that even used to bring us joy, right? So let's say you used to to love to to bake or to cook. And now it's like, oh my gosh, I have to do, oh, I got to get my kids ready. Oh, I got to go to work today. And you have a job you love, you know? that could be an indication of boundaries. I love that you brought up codependency. It's one of my favorite things to work with people on because codependency is essentially is being boundaryless. It's not having any emotional boundaries for yourself and always adhering to what somebody else is wanting or needing or enmeshing your emotions with them when we can be two separate people and still be very much together and in a relationship. We are now saying, and we can do this, you know, we can do this with our partner. We could do this in friendship. We could be two becomes one in any type of relationship with codependency. It's two becomes one with your boss. It's two becomes one with your friend, your kid. Yeah, like if they're not doing something, it's like it feels as if you're not doing it. And that's how we know that we're in that state of codependency. They miss a day of work and it's like, oh my gosh, I have to help them troubleshoot this. And it's like, okay, calm down. That's their thing. You can support, but how do you not get into it while supporting? So you can you can exist in relationships without enmeshing your feelings with other people. This is such an important conversation and obviously a huge part of your work. You have a book coming out in the spring that I'm locked and loaded on, ready to read. It's called Set Boundaries, Find Peace. And in it, among other things, you talk about how we can be assertive without being offensive. And I think for women, particularly, this is a real sticking point. Like this is a rub because often being assertive, setting clear boundaries, we get labeled as being aggressive or worse. So would you talk more about why being assertive is crucial, like crucial to caring for ourselves and then ultimately other people and what that looks like and why are those two ideas, why are those interchangeable, particularly around women, assertive, aggressive? Why do we believe that? We believe it because it is something that has been taught to both men and women. 
it's not just like men are saying this. Women are also saying this. We also have taken on this idea that when a woman asks for something, like she's being bossy, she's, you know, we say it too. It's not just men. You're right. It's us too. And that's very important to note because sometimes we'll say like sexism. And I was reading something by Bell Hooks where she talks about women also being sexist and how we really hold each other down by saying things like she's being aggressive instead of encouraging other women to ask for the pay raise, instead of encouraging each other to ask for what we need in our partnerships with other people. We're saying, you shouldn't want that, or we're shaming. You know, as we look on social media, there's a lot of shaming about what women should do and what women should be. And that really gets in the way of us being more assertive because we're always trying to figure out, well, what is a woman? And we kind of buy into this idea that maybe being a woman is being quiet, not asking for what you want and not making too much of a big deal and and also doing everything and working 40 hours and being a great friend and being present in all things. And so we have this idea that is completely unachievable, which leads us as women to having more issues with burnout and frustration and resentment. It's so interesting right now as this pandemic has started, women are initiating more divorces. Why is that happening? Because of the inequality in their homes. And they're at the point of resentment and frustration where they're like, I've got out of I gotta get out of here. I can't believe this has been happening. I'm doing it all. And it is coming from this space of not being assertive in our relationships, not asking for the help. And when we get to the point of, I can't take anymore, it's been a long, we're too far gone. gone. It's been 10 years not having the help. So let's say that someone jumps in to help you. It's like, yeah, he's helping, but why wasn't he helping five years ago? (laughs) He's helping now. And so we can't even see the help. We're like, I'm so frustrated with this person because they let me do this <laughs> for this long that it's it's too far gone. And so assertiveness is always necessary. How do we start teaching women to be assertive? We start when they are young girls and we don't label our girls as bossy. We allow them to make choices. We don't take their power away. Something that I do, I have two girls and They are assertive and I encourage it. My job as a parent is to teach them the difference between being aggressive and being assertive because there is a difference. You can be demanding and rude or you can clearly state your needs. And it's not okay to be aggressive, but it is okay to be assertive. So how do we say that is not what I want to wear today without, you know, this is a silly outfit. <laughs> it's like, okay, now you're demeaning me. You know, <laughs> it's like, that's a little aggressive, but you can express that there is something else that you would rather wear or these pants are uncomfortable. How do we do that? So teaching people how to say things without demeaning others, putting other people down, making themselves seem better than others. That's how we get away from the aggressiveness because so many people are afraid to be assertive 
because they think, oh my gosh, I'm being aggressive. And when I practice with them, okay, tell me what you would say. I need time off for my friend's wedding. Wow, that didn't sound very aggressive to me. Now, if you <laughs> if you rolled in, you know, give me the time off. I'm tired of working here every weekend. Now that's aggressive. You've added a lot of things that don't need to be there for you to get your need met. Just get to the point of what you need, do it gently and get out. Don't add a lot to it. Don't demean anyone else. Don't pull people into it. Just state what you need. I like that so much for ourselves. I love that you talked about teaching our kids because I have sons and daughters. I've got three sons and I have two daughters. And sometimes they come from opposite sides. I've got to beef up the girls sometimes in terms of you've got the right to get your own needs met and be assertive. But boys sometimes have had the opposite instruction that you just get to be aggressive because that's worked for a long time. Aggression has managed to get their needs met with a lot of catastrophic damage. And so that's important for all of us. I also really appreciate how you, it's so human and common to fail to ever be clear on boundaries on needs ever, on how we are feeling inside of a family structure or a relational dynamic, and then make this really quick leap to just absolutely blaming that other person. Why'd you let me do this for five years? Why aren't you intuitive on this? Why can't you know what I need? But we'd be remiss to skip over the step that we have a lot of responsibility when we fail, to be honest. Like that's a big deal. And that's ours to own. That is ours. If we have never been clear that this is what I need and this is what I expect and this is what I'll tolerate. I mean, can we really just blame somebody else for a hundred percent of that? Yeah. We can't. It's hard. Stickler for a made bed every day. And so I remember very early setting the boundary of whoever is the last person out of the bed has to make the bed. That is the rule. <laughs> and we, we have really stuck to that. I'm proud of us. Maybe we'll celebrate that today. But that was a big deal for me because it just makes me feel better to get to the bed. And I don't want to, I think I would be very resentful if I had to come back and the bed is unmade and it's like, oh, he just got out the bed and he just left it like that. And, you know, it's like, oh. so preventing issues sometimes is a beautiful way to practice that assertiveness. You don't have to be assertive as a result of a problem. You can prevent a problem just by saying, hey, if we have another baby, I would need X. As we are thinking about moving in together, I need this. As I'm getting this promotion, I think it's appropriate for me to also have this level of support, not waiting until we like have all of these new tasks and we're like, I need support now. It's like, you know, crisis 911 when more tasks, of course you would need some more support. Anything that you're doing, you need more support with it. So just think about, wow, I'm adding something to my plate. What do I need to delegate? What will I need support around? And that's with anything. That's with a new job, graduating school, getting your own, whatever those things are. There are supports that we need in those situations. And we have to be very clear about, I need help with.
What was your favorite game when you were a kid? I can sure think of a few. I would sit at my grandma's table for hours with her and my grandpa King and play dominoes, specifically chicken foot, excuse me, represent. Well, guess what? It's 100% okay to play games as an adult. I still love them. And I'll tell you one of my favorites. It's called Best Fiends. Okay, so Best Fiends is a super fun puzzle game. And there's really nothing else like it out there. I can hop in there for a bit and a different part of my brain switches on as I'm solving these puzzles. I love using that side of my brain. Plus, they're adding more levels and challenges all the time so it stays fresh and new. I'm actually obsessed. So engage your brain with fun puzzles. And trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this mobile puzzle game with a five-star rating is a must-play. You'll be really, really happy that you get it. So download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. So that's like friends without the R. Best Fiends. You weren't made to carry everything alone. And let me tell you, counseling has changed my life because I have someone who listens to me and guides me through some of my hardest moments. And I treasure that relationship. If you're thinking about finding that same kind of relationship with a counselor, I cannot recommend BetterHelp enough. With BetterHelp, you can connect with a licensed professional counselor in a safe and definitely private online environment. And BetterHelp has counselors who specialize in whatever you're dealing with, like stress or anxiety, depression, relationships, LGBTQ issues, grief. Plus, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid also available to those who qualify. I want you to start living a happier, healthier life today. As my listener, you can get 10% off your first month by visiting my sponsor, BetterHelp, at betterhelp.com slash for the love. Join over a million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash for the love. Okay, back to our show. Let's talk about this because a lot of us are reluctant to draw and then definitely enforce because those are two different things boundaries saying them is one thing enforcing them is another and because the truth is what's what's true it's at least possible is that people might not like it and there may really be a pushback it may create what feels like a conflict at the time and so there is a very real deterrent sometimes especially when we have made somebody else's behavior very possible for them. We've rolled out the red carpet around their failures or around their selfishness, whatever it is. And they don't want the boundary. So can you talk about those moments when either drawing a boundary or enforcing it, which is the harder step for me, is met with resistance? How do we respond in a caring way toward those people in our integrity? but without being willing to just completely sacrifice our own well-being. It's true. Some people will not like your boundaries and they will make it quite difficult. And as you navigate those situations, think of all of the rules, regulations, and structures you have not liked, but you have obeyed. Right? So we don't have to like... um, wearing masks in places to wear masks. We don't have to like 
traffic lights when we're in a hurry to actually adhere to traffic light, right? Like there are all sorts of things that we obey because we have to. And there's no one explaining to us at the stoplight, hey, so you have to obey this because this is what make no, we don't, we just obey because this is what we have to do. We do that in so many situations. So think about that, that people can obey without understanding. People can obey without agreeing with something. So just because they're pushing back and saying, hey, I don't like this, it doesn't mean that they won't do it. So don't don't be deterred by, oh my gosh, they don't like the boundary. They don't have to like the boundary. As long as the boundary is healthy, it's okay for you to execute that boundary. And there are times when it may be an adjustment period for people to really get with your boundary and you have to allow them that. We've been thinking about the boundary sometimes for, for weeks and months before we actually verbalize it, right? And upon verbalizing it, Our unreasonable expectation is that somebody immediately says, yes, that's exactly what I've wanted to do all this time. I just didn't tell you, right? It's like, no, that's not what happens. They're like, whoa, you just flipped the script. I didn't, (laughs) I don't really want to do this. That is the normal response. And that's okay. You've had weeks and months and days or whatever to think about it. Give them that time to adjust. If in a few weeks or months, they're still pitching a fit about it, maybe, you know, going back and saying, hey, you know, when I ask you to do something, I'm not saying you have to have the most pleasant attitude, but it's really hard for me to communicate my needs. And it's even harder when you're pushing back. And it makes me think, like, is it okay to communicate my needs with you? Because I want it to be okay. So just expressing that you have an issue with with their reaction to it. I'd love for you to hang a little meat on the bones of actually setting a boundary with another person because so often, at least this is how it feels. It feels like this person's behavior or lack of behavior, either way, it could be neglect, could be what they're doing or choosing. I don't like it. It's harming me. This is how it feels inside my body, inside my heart. But we cannot control another person. Unfortunately, I have tried. I mean, I have tried every way. So in the absence of being able to literally control somebody else's behavior, what does a boundary actually look like? So a boundary, it's about me, right? It's not about that person. It's not about even controlling that person's behavior, but this is confusing because I want to control that person's behavior. That's my problem. My problem is their behavior. What's the scaffolding of a boundary so that it will actually hold? Mm. So this is one of my favorite parts of my book. I have a whole chapter on boundaries with yourself because we do put the boundary on the other person. I ask them not to call me after nine o'clock and they keep calling. What is your boundary around that? Do not disturb. Don't answer the phone. Don't explain your boundary again to them until, you know, they, they sort of get it. And you notice like, oh, wow, I see it's been two weeks and you haven't done that thing. Sometimes we will put it on the other person that they have to change their behavior. They just can't call. They just can't show up unannounced. They just have to do X when it's us actually in power of what they can do in the relationship. Mm, That's good. I want to ask you this like really specific question. I don't know how you'll answer this, but 
this year has presented a real dilemma for a lot of us, for most of us who are now working from home. A lot of our kids are now schooling from home. This is weird. I mean, our house is now the center point of all of the roles we play and all of the responsibilities that we have. And so it feels like before COVID hit, we were sort of able to say, "Mm, this is me at the office. This is me once I walk in the door at home. This is my kids at school. This is them in the evening back at home. But now that it's kind of, there's no formal separation. We're all under one roof all the time. This is a real dicey. I know it is for me. I've got kids in high school here. It's just rough. And so how would you suggest that we make or keep healthy boundaries in place with this very, very strange work life, personal life, home life, school life integration? I wonder if you could even give us some actual sentences that we could say to make sure that we are setting appropriate, just knowing this is imperfect, but appropriate boundaries with either our families or our coworkers and bosses. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite boundaries since this pandemic has started is kind of letting people know that just because I am home does not mean that I'm available. Because people stepped into this space of like, everybody's home. They're just watching Netflix series and there's just more time. And I'm like, no, I'm actually working. So please don't call me at 12 p.m. That's still within my work hours. So I think trying to still have some sort of schedule. And I know that's really hard to stick to, but also to have your kids have some sort of schedule and having as a part of that schedule, individual time. So from six to seven, you cannot come to me for anything. At 559, that is the last point of asking me anything, but I will be taking an hour, even if it's to sit in your car, (laughs) to get outside of your house and to get away and to have that moment. This is a beautiful time to wake up a little earlier if you can, to put people on bedtimes in your house so it's not like this constant rotation of stuff going on, just to really make sure that you have that time to yourself because you're right. It's Home is now a workout space, school, work, where we have to have dates and play sports and do all of these things. And so we have, just like we did pre-pandemic, we have to have space for all of those things. But what happened initially is we were trying to do all of them at once. We were trying to watch the series while working and also talking to our friends. And it's like, I get you're at home, but you still can't do these things. So trying to mimic pre-pandemic as much as possible in your home is effective. Putting on clothes to go to work still, doing all of these things that you used to do. If your kids are in an environment where they can step outside for a little bit, you know, just outside for an hour. I just need the house to be quiet for one hour. So really saying to people, like, I get it. We all have to be together. This is not a vacation. And since we are in this space, we have to use our time to manage things in our life. And just like before, if you, you know, you had time to cook dinner and that time was kind of to yourself to really get to it, During dinner, you cannot come to me and ask me things because I'm really trying to focus on this task so we can 
eat and move along with our day. But for some reason, when the pandemic happened, old rules went out the window. Kids started eating all over the house in their bedrooms. It's like, what what happened to my structure? Anarchy. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. And it's like, okay, let's get back to the structure because we will be here and we don't know how long we'll be here, but today we are here. And while we're here, let's really focus on having some boundaries in this situation. So we're not like pulling our hair out, trying to live together. That's good. One conflict I notice in my own heart, I find this very hard personally to manage is that sometimes a lack of boundaries, a sense of codependency or an overdeveloped sense of responsibility even, it's tricky because it's packaged sort of in an altruistic wrapping. I can tell myself, I sincerely care about this person's problem. I sincerely care about how this has gone sideways for this person or this this dilemma that they are facing. And I would like to fix that for them. I want to fix it. I want to solve it. I want to wrap that up and take that off their plate. But not everything is ours. And this is really hard. It's really hard for people of good faith, like of goodwill. It sometimes skews that direction. And so can you talk for a bit about the difference between having compassion and empathy for someone and then over here, giving of ourselves in an inappropriate way that just that drains us or destroys us, making everybody's issues our issues. In being a therapist, I really had to learn really healthy boundaries around not getting too attached to other folks' problems. Because people are constantly like, I couldn't do your job. How do you listen to people talk about problems? And at this point, I'm like, well, it's very easy. For that hour, I literally listen to them. I support them. I give them all I have. We talk about what they can do to help manage their problems. And then I leave it there until the next week. Because I cannot solve this issue for them. They have real things going on in their life. I can't cure these things. I can hold space for them, but I cannot fix another person's problems. It's not possible. What I can do is hold space. I can support. I can ask them what they need from me. But I cannot fix that because we all have to deal with things in life. It's not even healthy for us to go around fixing people's problems. Now, if someone asks you for some support and you can give it without disturbing your life and disturbing your mental health, then you can do that. But just to offer, just because you're like, I want them to be problemless. That's not very helpful. That's not helpful to you and it's not helpful to them. People have to figure out how to get through situations. One of the things that, you know, I really try to do as a therapist is let people come into their own conclusion, right? So a lot of my work is just talking through it and you'll be surprised what people can come up with on their own. And people are more willing to do things when they come up with it on their own versus me saying, well, you know what you need to do in this situation? They don't want to listen to me telling them how to do all of these things. Sometimes when they come up with something that they can actually do, it's more doable because they're coming up with it. You're like, they're like, oh, you know what I could do? I'm like, what is it? And it's so great. It's something that they can manage. And it was their own idea. 
what's really hard for us, and this has nothing to do with the other person. It has something to do with us. We don't like to see people suffering. And so when we see people suffering, we go into panic mode, whether it's like, stop crying, get a tissue, everything will be okay. And here's the thing, everything is not always okay. Some things are very cryable and we have to deal with our discomfort with just being able to hold space for people and not doing anything. Just sit there with them. Don't try to erase their pain or get them to get over it or give them some solutions because what's really helpful, I did a poll in my IG stories a bit ago and I asked people, what's more helpful, having someone listen or having someone give you advice? 80% of people, 80% said, listen, we assume that it's giving people advice, problem fixing, you know, giving them this positive, this talk. And all people want to do is just be heard. They just want a shoulder to cry on. They want to be able to speak about the pain. Sometimes they do want solutions, but 80% of the time they do not. And we give them that because we are uncomfortable with not doing anything. That's right. I have a constant overdeveloped sense of responsibility toward other people's pain. I sit there and noodle. What is the perfect sentence to say that'll solve this? Like the best next step possible. I see, I'm projecting this probably a little bit out of my own experience, but sort of in my age group, I see us really struggle with this idea when it comes to our kids. They're the ones we are able to let kind of struggle the least. And I was texting with some friends yesterday about a kid thing. And my friend said to me, why do we think our kids are going to be the first generation to get all the way through without any suffering, like without any struggle? It's a silly idea. And it's not even a healthy idea. But we are so uncomfortable with the pain of other people. So, so thank you for that advice. I'm going to go back and listen to that answer over and over and over. Presence matters. I'm in a crisis right now. I'm in a personal life crisis. And when I look back over the last four months at what has mattered to me, because my people have rallied so hard for me, it's really just that they're near me and it's powerful. Like nobody can fix this. It's unfixable. It's just unfixable. It just has to be suffered through and endured and eventually healed with time. There's not a thing they can do, but just their nearness to me, their constant willingness to listen and to just let me be however I am that day. I'll never forget it. And you're right. That's really all it's been. It's that kind of container for my pain to go somewhere. And it's been like altering for me to experience that on this end of it this year. Yeah, I've learned that there are some people you can tell them like, hey, I just want to be able to vent. I just want to process this and they get it. And there are some people who absolutely cannot just let you talk without fixing it. And as you said, some things are not fixable. You cannot bring anybody back from the dead if I'm talking about grieving. Like, you cannot fix this. <laughs> it's like, please let me just be sad. And for me, sometimes it's like, I just want to be sad. Like, I don't want to pep talk. I don't want to feel better. Like, 
I want to be in my pity party. <laughs> like, let me stay here, please. And when you have people who allow that, it's great. But there are some people in our lives who, no matter how many times we tell them, like, yeah, I don't, you know, if we tell them, it's just not helpful. And we have to learn that those are the not the people that we can go to when we are experiencing certain things because they just do not have the capacity to hold space. They only have the capacity to give you a solution, to give you something positive. And again, that's a boundary, knowing who your people are and you not going to this person who's not going to be helpful in this situation. Because sometimes when we're going through things, we damage ourselves further when we talk to people who we know are going to say something that's very triggering. I can recall like being, you know, pregnant and, you know, your first pregnancy and you're kind of anxious and someone saying to me like, do you want to do that? Because you might miscarry. And I'm like, why would you ever say that? (laughs) What is wrong with you? That is the worst thing you can say to a person who's pregnant, man. (laughs) I can't. And so that was a lesson to me, like, you know, as I am talking through these things, like making sure that I'm not talking to this person about any situation that I might be worried about, because they're really going to jump in and say, well, you could die. It's like, what? That's not what I wanted to hear. (laughs) So, and And we know those people sometimes and we I know those and people. And we keep going yep. back for more. It's like, I have to tell them this thing. And every time they say that thing that just pushes you over the edge. And it's like, why did I tell them that again? <laughs> like, Yeah, we got to learn our yes, lessons here. Self-boundary. Don't tell them. They're going to really blow it up and make you feel worse. And maybe share when you can handle their reaction to it. Mm. You know what? It's funny because I do the opposite. I was with my therapist yesterday and I'm in this position right now of having to, in addition to my own, I'm having to walk my kids through their own grief. So when they're saying whatever they're saying to me, this is how they feel. This is what they're afraid of. This is what they're worried about. This is what they're wondering in terms of why. I find that I want to kick into like this truth space, like, no, we're, that's not going to happen. No, we're going to be okay. No, I want to combat their feelings with the truth of how I see it. But my counselor said to me, I was just telling her, I feel ill-equipped to walk them through these big, big, enormous emotions they're having. And she told me as a mom, as a parent, she's like, look, when you're engaging with your kids and they're just venting and processing and, and spinning all over the place, she's like, truth is needed eventually. But she said, comfort is required. And I want to start with truth. Like, we're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. This is what we're going to do. I just want to get into the fix phase. But she's like, why don't you leave with comfort and let truth have its place later? That just stopped me in my tracks. Like, okay, okay. It's against my instinct to just comfort when I feel like I can fix this perception. I can answer this worry. I can answer this fear or concern. But 80%, they just want to be heard. They just want to be heard. They just want to be comforted. 
Yeah, that's what we want. And I, and I know it's so hard to do that because many of us are just like, how can I make this person feel better when we have to acknowledge that is not your job? It's not your job to make people feel better, but perhaps your job is to support them in whatever way that they need. And if they need comfort, that makes them feel better. <laughs> so just comfort. You're right. I'm going to put that on the sign. Yeah, it is not your job to make people feel better. I love the internet. <laughs> and do you know why? Because I can get things delivered to my house. And I can get everything I need sent from my house. And trust me, as a small business owner, that is invaluable right now. And you know who makes not going to the post office possible? Stamps.com. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer, wherever you are. Just use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for literally any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, you just schedule a pickup or drop-off. It really is that simple. And here's a little secret. Stamps.com is how we get absolutely everything from the Jen Hatmaker store right into your hands. It's one of the best tools in our business. So make 2021 the year you stop wasting time going to the post office finally and go to stamps.com instead. There's absolutely no risk. And with my promo code, which is for the love, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. There's no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in for the love. So that's stamps.com, promo code for the love. Never go to the post office again. All right, guys, back to our show. Okay, I want to wrap this up with you. And these are questions that we're asking everybody in the reconnection series. Here's the first one. And just off the top of your head, what is your, like your personal favorite way to connect with other people? What do you love? Like what's your, like, this is, we're locked in. Like, this is how I love to be with you. My favorite way to connect with people right now has been, I have a friend and we've been reading some of the same books and we've been having like this text book club thing. And some of the books are like really old books that we read before, but we're discovering new things. And that has felt really good connecting with people in terms of being accountable for gratitude, because right now there are so many things just happening in the world. And so I have a friend where we exchange my gratitude emails every day. So it's, it's just the simple, I am grateful for. And so that is very restorative and just checking in with people. How are you doing really? Like not just, you know, how are you today, but how are you doing really? And being open with people about how I'm really doing, what things are going on with me is really connective right now. Yeah, me too. Okay. How about this? Let's just say it's like in the middle of your day and you're wound up, you're keyed up, you're feeling, starting to feel disconnected or just kind of unraveled. How do you, even if it's only for a minute or two, how do you reconnect with and care for yourself? How do you get back in your body? Right now, I am gardening. So what I will typically do is step outside. 
I will water my garden. I will tend to it. I have 45 house plants. And so I like to give them some energy. And if I can't get up from my desk chair, I just close my eyes and I breathe. I like to use a word that is two syllables and just in on one syllable and out on the other syllable. So I try to do that a few times a day. I think just with watering my garden, just watching that water flow, like I literally stare at it and I'm just like in a trance of peace for a moment, looking at my plant and saying, oh my gosh, a new leaf. Like it makes me feel better. It makes me feel like something is going well. The world is good. The the plant is growing. So that feels really restorative in my day when things get out of control. I deeply understand that. I love that answer. A couple of my best friends, my birthday was in early August and that was kind of at this apex of just every other thing, just completely unraveling. And I'm very, very famously bad at keeping plants alive. And they hung two like beautiful hanging plants on my front porch. And I was like, so help me God, it will be my mission to keep those beautiful plants alive. And here we are, they're beautiful and they're green. It gives me so much joy to put water in those plants and watch them just perk up. I feel you on that. And I think that is a really real way to connect to like something growing, something alive. I love that you said that. Last question. I actually ask every single guest in every single series this question. It's from a priest that I just love and her name is Barbara Brown Taylor. Anyway, you can answer this however you feel like it. We get all kinds of answers. What is saving your life right now? Golden Girls. I have stepped into the 90s a bit. I am listening to lots of 90s R&B. I am, the I am listening. To, like, I don't know what's new in terms of R&B. I sort of do, but I'm just like, play this old stuff. Like, all, all 90s. Golden Girls. I've been watching Family Matters. What I realized is like, it's so refreshing and like Family Matters. I'm watching it with my kids and they're really getting into, you know, like Steve Urkel. And so what's saving me is just remembering that there is always a past and we don't stay there, right? We evolve. And this is, you know, I used to watch Golden Girls and look at me now. It's like, I'm an adult watching Golden Girls and I'll be 50 watching Golden Girls. And it's like, you know, it's great to have those reminders of the past because it teaches you like, well, like be present. Like this does not last. Oh my gosh, I can't believe Blanche did this. Like I remember this stuff. So yeah, just, just recognizing the past and remembering those old feelings and helping you to use that stuff to just be like, wow, things do not last. Like there is a future. That is such a great answer. I love it so much. Okay. Before you hop off here, I really want my listeners to be following you and reading your stuff. Can you talk just a little bit about where they can find you to where they can find your upcoming book and when it comes out all the ways to connect with you. Yes. So my book is out on March 16th. It will be available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all of those places. The best place to follow me is on Instagram. That is where I am the most active and I can be followed there at Nedra Tawab. I post something most days. I have a pretty active 
active Instagram story because I truly believe in community. And unfortunately, as a therapist, you only get to see about 15, 20 people. And on Instagram, I get to help thousands of people. And so it's a very good place to be a community and to share resources as I get them because I'm, I'm still learning new stuff every single day. And it's really helpful to be able to have that space to expand what I talk about in my sessions and in my work with people to a larger group of people. So Instagram, my website, please follow me. The book will be out. I'm so excited about the book because it's one thing to post on Instagram and to have these little tidbits for people. And it's a whole other thing to have an entire book for you to refer to and reflect on because I can't get everything in one space on an Instagram, on a blog, in an article, but with a book, I will be able to really hone in on this very important topic. So I'm super excited for that. Good for you. And the community that you've created on Instagram too is very robust. And so for everybody listening, go follow Nedra over there because you also find a lot of really like-minded people in the comment section going through what you're going through, really kind of sharing their stories and what they're learning. So it's a very expansive place to be as you're kind of working on your mental health and your own soul care. Well, I am thrilled to have met you, to have you on the show. I'm so grateful for your work in the world. It's crucially important. Someday I'll just sit down and tell you how basically every word you have said is tailor made and dialed into where I'm at in my life right now. But it's too on the nose right now. I was like, this girl's been spying on me and I don't like it, but it's meant so much to me. And so I'm thankful to get to share that with my community. So all of our love and support to you. We are listening. We are following. Can't wait for your book to come out. We will rush and pre-order the thing. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay. She went everywhere. She went there. That was such a good discussion. Like such a good conversation. I walked away with some really important takeaways today. Things that are mine. They're mine. They're mine to deal with. They're mine to own. They're mine to develop. They're mine to admit. And I am so grateful for her investment in our community today. I think you probably are too. Definitely pop over and follow Nedra. If you missed all that, we'll have all of her contact information at jenhatmaker.com. So go to jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, and we'll link to all of Nedra's stuff, all of her accounts, her upcoming book, if you want to pre-order her website, everything. So one-stop shop for you. Thank you for listening. Golly, I hope this series really serves us well as we do the heavy lifting of reconnecting, reconnecting to ourselves, reconnecting to God, reconnecting to each other, reconnecting to our communities, and even reconnecting in our country. May we rebuild. And I hope that this gives us some tools to do exactly that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. We have so many great plans for the podcast in 2021. So much we want to bring to you. So many big dreams for this space. And so thank you for being such loyal and good and incredible listeners. Hey guys, see you next week.